Good morning, friends, and welcome to worship here at Grace Church. It is my joy and honor, as ever, to have this opportunity to praise the Lord and be here uh, with y'all this morning. I invite you to stand as you are able um, and bow your heads and join with me in a word of opening prayer. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for certainly your presence among us. We give you thanks for the gift of your grace. We give you thanks that we can be a part of your kingdom here on earth and have that hope of your eternal kingdom forever at peace with you. And so loving God, take this time and use it for your purpose that we may see you, that we may see this as this one hour of a week where we can stand in your kingdom and know your victory is assured. God, may we see you and feel you clearly this morning. We lift up wherever we may be, whether we are joining in on and whether we are here together in the sanctuary. Loving God, may this be holy ground and may this be a holy time where we can see you clearly, we can know your presence, where we can, can be convicted by your word, we can be transformed by your grace. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that no matter how deep the water, no matter how much it feels like the water is rising around us, we are yours when we, you are ours that you are our, our almighty God who loves us, cares for us, who carries us when we need it, has carried us through many trials before, and will carry us safely forward through this life and into the next. And so knowing, for knowing how many of our prayers have been answered, knowing that you are always with us, knowing that your healing is moving, your grace is moving, your word is moving, you are moving. We come to you now with the places in our lives, with the people that we love who are broken. In particular, we lift up uh, Donna Kilgore, uh, has a scar, has scar tissue on her lungs from COVID, God. Uh, we pray that that may be healed, that she may be able to breathe easy. We lift up Kelly Tinley, uh, who is the head of a Rock Bottom Ranch. Uh, she broke her wrist, and so, God, we pray for Kelly's healing um, and uh, that Kelly will take the time to heal. She is not one who is prone to that. Um, and so, God, we pray that she is both healed and has the patience to be healed. We also lift up Jessica, um, Jessica House, as she takes more responsibility for the ranch um, as Kelly uh, is in the process of healing. Uh, God, we lift up Angela Brooks, uh, who is waiting uh, for biopsy results uh, from brain surgery. She was actually supposed to be on our prayer list for Thursday, and, and that got missed. And so, God, we lift up Angela uh, to you, uh, praying uh, for good news, uh, praying uh, for her healing. Uh, we lift up Paul Harrell, um, who is stable. Uh, we lift up Virginia Harrell, uh, who is going to the hospital um, on the 17th to uh, monitor the baby until it is here. And so, God, uh, we pray uh, for the baby. We pray for Virginia. We pray that it all goes well. Uh, we pray for the Hodsons um, as they are moving. Um, that is never fun. Um, and so, God, uh, we pray that it all goes well. Uh, we uh, pray for that thankful moment where they can look around their new home and say, uh, thank God that we are here. Um, pray that they forget about all the other things that happen in between there. Uh, we lift up uh, Sandra, um, we lift up Rhonda, uh, we lift up John Hafner um, and his long journey of healing. 
to the people of Ukraine, um, we, God, we are thankful they are having a break uh, from the real dire uh, parts of this war. Uh, but God, we pray for their safety. We pray for their civilians. Uh, we pray for peace. We lift up Anima West, uh, who's uh, undergoing scans at MD Anderson. God, we pray uh, for good news. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray for Nima. God, we pray for her doctors. God, we lift up the places around the world that are experiencing a COVID spike. Um, God, we pray that we are kept safe from it, but God, we pray for those who are sick, um, that they may be healed. And God, we pray that we may, in all seasons, be your Easter people, be a people that know your resurrecting love, that it was not just Christ who rises from the dead, but each of us who can rise in Christ. And so God, may we indeed be a risen people knowing that by your grace, the places in our lives that are not yet of you can be made of you, that there is always a second chance love because of the gift of Christ's death and resurrection. And so God, may we take that spirit of being your resurrection people and carry it out into the world to be your hands and feet, doing your work, being a part of your transformation. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen. I invite you to be seated. I invite Pastor Emily um, and the children uh, to come forward uh, for a message prepared just for them. Um, this is the day where there's a lot of plant life around here. Yes, it's an exciting Sunday for florists everywhere who help provide the plant life as well. Awesome. <laughs> All right, come on up, guys. Are you excited about all of this extra plant life we have in here today, Jay? Yes. All right. Good morning. Okay. So who can tell me, what are these leaves called? Palm leaves. Palm leaves. Okay. So why do we have palm leaves at church today? Do you know? It's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. What do we do on Palm Sunday? We celebrate Jesus um, when he came to a town. Yes, we celebrate when Jesus came into the town. Good job, Thomas, when he comes into Jerusalem. Okay, and so this is a celebration, right? And did you know that you guys are really, really good at celebrating? Let me see you wave your palms real quick, real big. Okay, so at the end of the service today, I need you to do something for me. Because you guys are the best at waving the palms really big. I need you to show all of us grown-ups here today how to do it the very best, okay? So how to worship God with abandon, right? Okay, so this is one way we can praise God. I heard that some of y'all made something in Sunday school today to praise God too. What did y'all make in Sunday school? A noisemaker. A noisemaker. So we're going to make some noise for Jesus later. A rain, a rain stick, that's right. So we're going to make some noise during the last song today. And you guys are going to show us how to praise Jesus really, really big, right? So why do we praise Jesus? Because Jesus is God. Because Jesus is God and he's worthy of our praise, right? Okay, well, let's remember that as we go forward this week into Holy Week. Will you guys pray with me? All right, let's bow our head, close our eyes. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us on the cross. Help us to praise you 
in really big ways this week and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, our scripture reading this morning is what's called the triumphal entry, which is the passage we read for Palm Sunday this year. Uh, it is from uh, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had, sa- after he had said this, he went on, uh, went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples, saying, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find there uh, a colt uh, that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as it had been told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, uh, why are you untying the cult? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. After throwing their cloaks on the cult, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all their deeds of power, all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. See, it's God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, how many of y'all remember high school? I mean, for some of y'all, it may be very recently. Uh, for some of y'all, it may have been a minute ago. Uh, some of y'all, I know, are still in high school. How many of y'all have some memory of, of high school? Let's see, okay. You know, uh, well, interestingly, none of the people in high school have raised their hand. I feel you. I also had wished to forget it while I was doing it. Okay, so in high school, how many of y'all, or middle school or high school, how many of y'all learned about the kind of uh, five-paragraph structure for an essay? Is this the thing y'all learned about, the five-paragraph? This is the thing that you vaguely remember. Okay, I have a visual on screen. Uh, again, if, if this is you know, triggering bad memories, don't worry. We're in this together. Uh, no one but me is getting a grade on how well this whole thing goes. Um, so you have the introduction, which includes a thesis. Uh, you have three supporting paragraphs um, that, again, theoretically uh, help prove the thesis. And then you have a conclusion that wraps it all together. Uh, what I want us to do now is we're going to write collectively, uh, we're going to write an essay together, and so what I need first is I need a topic. What is it? Remember, an essay has to be something, you, a point you can argue, right? You can't just say lions, right? That's not telling me anything. You can say, what is the best animal in the jungle, right? And then we could argue that lions are the best. Okay, who has an essay topic for us? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. What do you got, Alora? Find out. So, um, so actually, so a better better way to phrase that would be: Do pineapples belong on thesis on pizza? Because what you've given me is our thesis statement, which I direly disagree with. I do actually believe uh, that uh, pineapples do belong on pizza. But for the sake of Christian love and charity, um, we will now construct an essay uh, that says pineapple. uh, The question on the table is, do pineapples belong on pizza? Uh, Laura has offered us the thesis statement, no, pineapples do not 
belong on pizza. Uh, you might talk about, so one of our paragraphs might be about, you know, what is, where does pizza come from and what are its traditional toppings? And maybe in our research, we'll find that pineapple is not, no Italian would ever put a pineapple on pizza. The other thing you might say is that uh, one of your, your paragraphs might be that uh, tomatoes already contain acid. And so if you put pineapple on a pizza, now that's two acids together, which is probably what Alora actually objects to too much. It is an overwhelming your palate with acids, so you do not get, you know, the, the, the nice cheese or the, or the taste of anything else. All you get is, is a mild burning sensation in your mouth. Then you might take on directly uh, the people who think pineapple uh, should be on pizza and declare them heretics or whatever else uh, you want to do. And then, you know, in your conclusion, you sum up your points, right? Pineapple does not belong on pizza because traditionally it has no business being on pizza because it's just an overwhelming taste of acid and those people are all heretics anyways. Please support my position. Thank you very much. I deserve an A. Y'all remember this? The most important part is the thesis statement. Because it states, what's the argument? What are you going to prove? Without a thesis statement, the whole essay falls apart. You're just writing a report. You're just writing about <laughs> your dislike of pineapple. When you have a thesis statement, it is, makes it clear to your audience, to your reader, to your congregation, to whoever you are trying to communicate to, what your point is in the first place. So the point I am making today is that Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, is Jesus' thesis statement about what this whole week, what the next seven days are all about. That Jesus is declaring victory, and then Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Easter morning are merely the supporting paragraphs that point at the victory that is already assured. Palm Sunday is the thesis statement for Holy Week. And Holy Week, in its own way, is the thesis statement for all eternity from Christ to us, God's people. The idea of a triumphal entry is not something that Jesus came up with. This is something that we don't really have to nearly the same degree. The closest we have is the parade that the president, the new president does when they walk from the Capitol building to the White House. It's kind of like that, but Rome, the Roman Empire, was really into triumphal entry ceremonies. And it was always for conquering generals um, to celebrate a major military victory. And it had a certain, as often ceremonies do, it had a certain plot they all followed. The uh, conquering general would be dressed in purple. A laurel wreath would be placed in their head. Sometimes their faces would be painted red, all to make them look like the god, the god Jupiter, the king of the Roman gods. They were basically, the whole point of this triumphal entry is this man general thing is as close to a god as any human can be. And the Romans thought you'd get pretty darn close. Then they would ride in a golden chariot pulled by four war horses. And they would go to the temple of Jupiter on Saturnine Hill. And they would offer a sacrifice thanking Jupiter for making them so much close to being a god. And it had a lot of like gold and pomp 
and circumstance and very important people and a whole long train of soldiers. And it was like a really big, also days of feasting. It's the Romans. Days of feasting, all sorts of celebrations. It's this big pomp and circumstance thing. Okay? Jesus is making fun of all of that. Jesus is mocking a Roman triumphal entry to make a point about what he believes, and he's pretty darn right, God sees as important in this world. Where a Roman general would be in a gold chariot pulled by war horses, Jesus is riding on a semi-stolen donkey. Not entirely clear, like, what's going on, because picture this, right? Uh, picture you are in your house, um, and your car is parked out front. Uh, a donkey would have cost about what a car, car you know, a family car does now. Um, and someone, knock, you've never met, two people show up at your doorstep, knock, 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 knock. Hello, uh, we are going to borrow your car, and we're going to drive it away. And you would ask, a very natural question, uh, assuming they've lived to knock on the door, it's this East Texas. Assuming they've lived to knock on the door, you're going to ask them a very reasonable question. Why do you need this car? you person who I've never met. And all they say is, the Lord needs it. How many of y'all would hand over your car keys? Yeah, no one. And yet this is exactly what this person did. I swear to God, they're just, as, just so confused they let the donkey go out of pure like bafflement. Like, huh, what? Oh, there goes the, huh, fascinating. Okay. So Jesus is on a semi-borrowed donkey, which is basically like a family car where a general will be riding in a Rolls Royce or a limousine. Jesus is in the Subaru hatchback of, you know, animals riding in. And instead of gold and pomp, it's cut off branches and other people's coats. And instead of the best and the brightest and the most important, the Roman governor, the Roman centurions, the temple hierarchy, um, it's normal working class folks who are singing his praises, laying down their coats, excited. This says something different is happening here. In verses 36 and 38, which is the heart of the Palm Sunday story, you get this picture of ordinary people understanding who God is and how much they mean to God, the flipped upside-down nature of God's kingdom. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the, glory in the highest heavens. This is... Christ declaring his kingdom. When you triumphal entry into something, you are declaring victory. You are declaring that something new and important has already happened. Christ is saying, my kingdom is here. What matters in this world is God's values and not the values of this world. I am king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the heavens and in the highest heavens. 
here is the true king. Now, this is days before he is arrested, days before he dies, days before he rises. But he is saying, here, here is what's happening. Here is what's happening now. I am victorious. Does not always look like that's how it turns out. But in the end, his thesis statement is true. He is victorious. And even the Pharisees sense that something different is going on here. They are not comfortable with what they are seeing. They're like, hey, can you stop? To which Jesus says, no, I can't. This is verses 39 and 40. I love this little exchange. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout. He's declaring victory. He's triumphantly entering Jerusalem. And yet, on Thursday and Friday, doesn't look like it. Looks really far away. I am willing to bet the disciples sitting in the upper room after they have abandoned Jesus and Jesus has been buried in the tomb I bet this conversation is not recorded in scripture, but we all know how people work. This is what I would say, sitting there with my back against that cold stone wall. I would say, hey, you remember last Sunday when Jesus came in on a donkey and we were singing and it was all happy? Remember? Remember that moment? Man, that was great. Man, I missed that. That really was the high point, wasn't it? That's, that was the height of it feels so far away. And yet, the dawn on the third day, a bunch of women go to the tomb to prepare a body that isn't there. Because Christ does rise. That victory that he declared on Palm Sunday by Easter morning is 100% true. Is 100% victory. And that painful middle is merely Christ bringing that victory about, a victory born of sacrifice and suffering and pain on behalf of us. But at dawn on the third day, there was no body to prepare for burial because Christ had risen indeed. And so there is no doubt, actually, the doubts in humans, not in Christ. Christ knows he is going to win. Christ walks in Jerusalem knowing exactly what he's going to do. And even in his moments of suffering and pain, he stays true to God's purpose and wins the victory he knew he always would. There is absolutely no doubt as to what was going to happen Christ was going to win. When God sets God's mind on something, it happens. That is the nature of being the most powerful being in the universe. And so this is the thesis statement that says, yeah, God's going to win this week. And even in the dark middle chapter, God's going to win this week. And even in the dark middle chapters of our own lives, God is going to win in the end. I talked about thesis statements, and so you have to ask yourself the question, what is this thesis statement, or what is the thesis statement for? It turns out, in my mind, all of Holy Week, from Palm Sunday to Monday, Thursday, 
to Good Friday, to Easter of morning, it's the thesis statement for the end of time. It is saying God shows up, Christ shows up and declares not just victory in that moment, but final victory. The Revelations 21 and 22 victory, where the new Jerusalem comes down and all is made right. And you say, yeah, right, you couldn't do it. The forces of evil are too great. And so God offers the rest of this thesis statement. Uh, God allows Christ, his only son, to be arrested, locked up by the strongest empire that had existed up to that moment, one of the most powerful military forces ever known to humankind. And he allows them to kill him, willingly going to that cross. And then it, our ancient enemy, that is death, is defeated, and Christ rises again, defeating Rome, defeating the temple, defeating death itself. This is God looking out across the pages of history and the pages of our Bible and saying, when you are in hard times, remember that Christ rose. Yes, we live in a world where there's a land war in Europe. We are in what feels like year 5,000 of a pandemic that has claimed many. We all have friends and family members, ourselves maybe even, who are suffering, who are hurting, who feel lost. Just like the disciples on Good Friday, we can look around and feel very far from God's victory. And yet, because Christ willingly went to that cross and rose from the dead, that victory that he declared on Palm Sunday is our victory here today. You ask yourself, what will God do? God will do all that God promised. How do we know God will do all that God promised? Because God has already declared victory and already done what needed to happen for that victory to be assured. When Christ rose from that grave, all of the rest of it was seen. God wins in the end. The question is not, will God win? God wins. God has already won. That victory is already accomplished. That kingdom is already here and more here every day. Our question is, will we put our faith in that victory? Faith in the one who declared it. Faith in the one who willingly went to that cross. Faith in the one that rose from the dead. Faith in the one that remains with us now. Faith in the one that has the power to carry us home. God's kingdom is already here. Our question is merely, will we be a part of it? We have palm branches, right? Here in a moment, the kids are going to process around. We're going to sing our closing song. We're going to wave palm branches together. It will all feel a little silly and a little fun, and that's good. I want you to take this palm branch home with you. And over the course of this week, I want you to take it out, and I want you to look at it. That this is a symbol of Christ's, not just that he's going to rise from the dead, but a symbol of Christ's final victory at the end of time. If you have a little extra time in your prayer and study life, I invite you to, step one, take out this palm branch. Step two, open your Bible or your Bible app to Revelation chapter 21, 
and Revelation chapter 22. That this palm branch is a symbol of the promises contained there. That that victory that sounds so wonderful is not far away. It is already accomplished. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that we can place our faith in you and in your victory, in your kingdom, that the values of this world will not have the final say, that because Christ willingly died and rose, this victory, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, that king is here and Jesus is Lord. Loving God, may we hold on to that hope, that sure and certain knowledge that your victory is already accomplished. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to grab the hands of the people around you. Form one united body in Christ, because indeed, by the power and presence of God's Spirit, that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. God's victory is already accomplished. We need merely to have faith in God who raised Christ from the dead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.